Welcome to Radical Remembering with psychologist Dr. Narissa and Dr. Buki. This is a weekly conversation where we explore the ways we've internalized oppression and consider what it really means to be liberated. Each episode will leave you with intimate knowledge of the liberation process, sprinkle a little healing magic, and leave you with wisdom for your journey. Welcome back, y'all, to Radical Remembering. I am so, so excited about today's conversation with you all because we have a special guest speaker, my, technically my uncle, but I call him daddy because he is part of the gener- of the people who raised me. And um, I was just saying to Narissa earlier how, like, part of who I am um, is largely related to the influence that daddy has had on my life, certainly on my own father's life. I'm going to, in a second, I will, I will let him introduce himself. But part of what I wanted y'all to know is that, you know, as somebody who has, who's born Nigerian, raised and born, there's so much, there's so much history I have access to. And one of the things that I've been coming to as I've been in my liberation journey is how much I have forgotten and not known, right? Because of colonization, right? To have such access to rich history and to not know, to not be informed, And so when you have like sages like my daddy here who can tell you, right, like literally tell you stories about like being in Nigeria, experiencing colonization, it is, it is, it is a gift. And by the way, our topic today is exploring colonization in Nigeria. So daddy, will you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience here? Okay. Thank you. My name is Joseph Aina. And that Joseph is also a colonized name. That's not my regular name. I got that name when I got baptized into Christianity. My real name that gave to me when I was born was Oyeniyi. Oyeniyi. Oyeniyi means title has honor. I was born when my, my grandfather was made a chief in the town. So in order to recognize that achievement, they named me Oyeniyi, that title that my grandfather obtained had honor. So I was, my birth was to honor his title, was made the head of the, of the whole area of the town. And that's why they, uh, and I was born about, about the same time. So they call me Oyeni. My surname is Aina, and you can see it's A-I-N-A. But actually the name was made into Christian name because it is actually Ayana, a a double A Y double N A, but we, we shorten it to Aina, and that's part of the work of the white people when they came because they don't want to pronounce long, long name, so they rather shorten your name to the word they can pronounce. Well, just I, right was, right. I was born in 1944, so I've been here since 1944. I mean, I've been on the earth, not in America, I've been in America for a few years, but uh, I've, I've been on this earth. Since 1944, I am I'm 78 years old now, and I've experienced a lot of things when I uh, in my lifetime when I was young and when I start growing up and to where I am now. So much much of this rich history is what we're gonna be we want to be able to explore with our audience. Nurse, all right, that so I that leads us nicely. What do you say? I will do the best I can. <laughs> so that brings us nicely. Exploration, yes. That brings us nicely to the first question, really. I mean, it's, it's a broad question, and I'd like you to start wherever you feel comfortable starting. But what was, you, given your lived experience, what, was, what did you witness with respect to the actual process of how they colonized? 
Okay, I give you a few examples of what colonization did to us. Well, I give you one, the change of name. Okay? And then they were different. The white people that came, they came from England and they were different from all of us. And then they thought that we, we didn't know much. We didn't know anything according to them, but we didn't know. We, we knew a lot at the time. First thing they did was to give us a language, English language. But they came from England. They are, they are English people. So they, we, have to, we have to communicate with them in English. So it took some time for the, the, the one before us. But they have to put them in school and teach them how to speak English. In order to help understand English, when you are in school, which is from like 8 o'clock in the morning to about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the only, the only language you can speak is English. You can't speak your own dialect or your own, your own language. So they, your, your language is called, they call it a language vernacular. And they tell us you cannot, see, you cannot speak vernacular when you are in school. Whether you know how to speak English or not, you have to try and speak English. That's part of the, that's part of the colonization. And they, they, they took our language from us. And because Nigeria has several, several uh, ethnic groups, and there are several dialects that they speak in Nigeria. So they joined all of us together. We have Hausa, we have Fulani, we have Yoruba, we have Igbo, we have Ishakiri, and so many names within Nigeria. They are, their language is different from, from Yoruba language. Some of them are, are unable to speak English. And then they, that's something they also did. They gave us the, something they call broken English, broken English, which means it's not a complete English language, but you have pieces of English and the, and the vernacular and the, your own, own language. You mix it together. This way they can understand you when you talk, when you, when you haven't been to school. And they gave us a religion that they brought from their own country. And they asked us to give up our own religion. See, the, the, the religion that we had believed in an almighty God. In my language, that God is called Olodumare. Olodumare, that is ruler of the universe. Then we also call him Olorun, which in English translates to God. But we also, we, we, we know that this God is not, cannot be accessed by a human being. You need an intermediary between you and that God. So in Yoruba, we have Ifa, I-F-A. And, and the real name for Ifa is Orumila. Orumila. It is, it, it, the interpretation in English is like, it's only heaven that knows who will survive. Only heaven knows who will survive, Orumila. And we, we know Orumila through the deity that he represents, which is Ifa, I-F-A, Ifa. So, Orumila is, is said to, it was supposed to represent an intermediary between us and Olodumare. Olodumare is the God of all. Nobody can see him, but only certain individuals like Orumila can see him. They, they will go and get information from him and bring it to, to us and explain this is what God wants us to do. We didn't have Bible, but the Ojibwe who brought Bible. Everything that we did was in the head. So we kept it, kept memory of it. So you, so those who want to be in that particular area will learn the way you can talk to God through Ifa, which is the same thing as Orumela. The experience that we, we had, I remember my father telling me 
that they have their, I don't remember the name they call them, but they are like, like their leaders, they are sent by their, the governor from Lagos, and they have to be put in different places around the country. We didn't become a country until 1914. 1914 was when Nigeria became one country. There were different, different ethnic groups, and they had different areas that they, they lived in. And my own place, our own place is Yoruba. That's western part of Nigeria. And they have, we have the eastern part of Nigeria, which, which are occupied by Igbos and other people. There are central part that are occupied by Yoruba and some other group. There is northern part that is Hausa and Fulani. That's Nigeria. But most of the, most of the countries in Africa are like that too. They have different languages and they just put them together so that it, it can help them to manage what they want to manage. I remember my dad telling me that when the, the people that is in charge of a particular area wants to travel, the people from one town where they stay will carry them from that town on a hassock. It's something they build. It will have a chair in it. And then they have four people will carry that chair uh, with a stick one side and another stick. Two people in the front, two people in the back. They can't walk because they are, they, are the, they are the masters. So they carry them from one town to the other. My father was part of those who we take over in our Kinotum. And uh, there are three others that will join him to carry that individual, that white man, from one town to the next town. Another group will, will catch them in the other place. And that's how they travel, before vehicles were available. But when vehicles, bicycles, and motorcycles came, they were relieved of those activities. I remember my, my father telling me also, when we go to the farm, when his, when his yam or whatever he's producing is bigger than usual, he will say, oh, this one is a white man's yam. You think, maybe you, you, you got those things, right? When, when you were young, it's on your that has the best things. If it is not good, then it is, it is the African people that have it. But it wasn't like that before they came, according to my dad. Everybody, everybody respected themselves, but the people just came and colonized us. Well, we would say the British were better than the Spanish and the Portuguese that first came to Africa, but what they came to do was to collect slaves and transport slaves to America or some other places where they needed slaves. The, the, the British really carry slaves from Nigeria. They just came to colonize Nigeria, to stay with Nigeria. And they were also helpful in stopping, in stopping the slave trade. But it was, it was for about 400 years, I think they were collecting people to carry them to places where they, they want to use them. And well, I don't know, what, what other questions do you have? Was that helpful? So, yes. Okay. Book, do you have a follow-up? It's just so, it's just so, too many things. And part of the piece we were talking about earlier, Daddy, we were just like exploring. I was talking about how like grew up in Nigeria and just this idea of race. And this piece around, like, where this idea of us, like, devaluing each other racially, even though we were, like, similar. But when to hear you even talk about this, like, issue in Ibo. Yes, anything that is good. Even though you've been planting those things before they came, your, your grandfather, your father, 
were planting those seeds and they were coming out about the same, the same way that you see them now. But now you say, because of the mentality that everything that is white yep. Yep. Or, or come from the uh, uh, white people is yep. better than the one that comes from black people. That's right. That's right. But it's that's just, just that's what they put into, into our head. Right. But it's just this introduction. I was talking about this introduction of like white supremacy. And just like literally it just you hearing this and just the like literal like implantation of that is just I'm just like fascinated as I was like telling the story, you know, I yeah. And what I'm thinking about the fact is that it's so recent. Right. So we we tend to think of one. We tend to think of all of this as oh, it was eons ago. It was hundreds of years ago. We don't think that they're exactly that people are living who witnessed it still. And then the other part that I was thinking is that I don't know that we're conscious, you know, in America about the, you know, we think of the people who were taken away and think of them as traumatized in that way. I don't know that we are as conscious of what was continuing to happen on the continent. So I appreciate all that you've, that you've had to share. One thing that I'm wondering is like, so what would you say, since you've gotten a chance to like witness it, what would you say were some of the consequences of, you know, those people, like you, your community, like witnessing these kinds of things? And Narissa, before, Daddy, before you answer that question, can you give us, if you have it, is like one of the things you said as you hopped on was when you were born, the missionaries had already been in Nigeria. They had already been in the community. Yes. Do you have any, um, in terms of time, of when um, when they arrived in Ikiti? I think it's the first set of people that came to Nigeria when, when we studied history in school were people that were trading. They came to trade. And, for example, we had the guy called Vasco da Gama. I don't think he's British. I think his name doesn't sound British. It's probably... Portuguese or Spanish, Spain, those areas that they came from. We had a river in Nigeria that is called River Niger. That river starts from another country, but most part of it is in Nigeria. Uh, That's a a, a mountain or a hill called Futajalon. I think it's located in either... The northern part of Nigeria, not, not inside Nigeria, but outside of Nigeria, Kutajalong Hills. That's where, that's the origin of River Niger. That's where it came from. But when it left that, that I think it's probably northern part of uh, Burkina Faso, northern part of Burkina Faso, which is uh, east of Nigeria, the water came through. They, they said they came to discover the rivers in Africa. So they, they found the Niger River, they call it Niger River, but it, it wasn't called River Niger at the time when they first found it. It was a means of transport for them because there were no vehicles in those days. So they, will, they have boats that they will build and the boat will, will bring them. Unfortunately, I heard that the man died in one of the trips that he had, Vasco da Gama. Then other people followed him and they, they came with the, the river, it's a big river. So they came through and then it um, entered into Nigeria, but they call it River Niger, the Nigerian River or River Niger. And it ends in, this, in the Atlantic Ocean by traveling through part of Nigeria and to the 
to the eastern part and it enters into the into river into Atlantic Ocean in that place. There's another one, it's called Benway River, River Benway. It came from the opposite side, like Cameroon area, and then it came to Nigeria. And the both of them now united at, at a particular place. River Benue and River Niger became one river by the, before they, they enter into, into the ocean, Atlantic Ocean, or the eastern coast of Nigeria. Daddy, are you saying all of that as a way of trying to help us understand how people accessed and how they arrived in Nigeria? Yes, I'm, I, the, the first set of white people that came, they were traders. Right. They didn't come, they didn't come to capture people and send them here. They just came to look at the way the, the places the places are and how they can benefit from, from the from the things that are available in, in the in those parts of the world at this at the time. Got it. it wasn't, there, was, there was no Nigeria at the time. There were no these countries were not there. They were just existing human beings on on the in the, in the areas that yep, yep. that they they found. Yep. It, yep. It, it, it wasn't called Nigeria. That was a, a race that they did. The Germans, the Spanish people, the Portuguese, and the English. It is as a place down south of south of Africa, and then they had to do a race to get there so that they can divide the land among themselves. So the whole of Africa was divided among the, the colonizers, the, uh, the, the Europeans, we call them Europeans. English is one of them. I mean, England is one of them. Portugal, Spain, and Germany. So all the countries in Africa, they were divided among those European countries. So Nigeria was, was uh, given to the to the British. German took some part. Uh, Spanish people took some part. Portuguese people took some part. So uh, so that when it, eventually we start to become independent, we try to get independence from these countries that are, are uh, leading leading us. For example, Nigeria became independent of the British in 1960. In 1960, I was I was about. 14, 15 years old at that time. That's when we got independence from, from England. Before that time, England would be the one that would be governor of the whole of the country. And it divided us into three places, north, south, north, east, and west, and north. Three places. And they put one of them as a governor of each of those areas. Then they have other people that they brought from their country that would be in charge of ruling the place. We, we had our own obas, we had our own leaders that before they came, we have KBACs that were in charge of their towns and various, various things that they would money for the people. And we, we gave respect to them. But when they came, all of, this, all of these things stopped. So they become the leader. The Oba has no place again. However, everything about them is not bad, and everything, everything about them is not good. Because before they came, there were a lot of things we were doing. For example, like we didn't, we didn't believe that a woman can carry more than one child in the womb. So if, if a woman was carrying twins, when the child, when they are born, they will kill one automatically. They, they, they thought that, be, that was not correct. Your God can only give you one child at a time. 
So some people will have three, and they kill three, and they kill two of them. But eventually, one of the women that came from England, her name was Mary Slesso. She said that is no reason why you can, why a woman cannot carry more than one child in, inside her womb. So there's no need to kill them. They were always they were killing them. You you know, uh, okay, you know Taye, right? Uncle Taye, you know him. That it was a twin. They killed one of the one of the one of there were two boys. Killed one of them. His mother was a twin. They killed one of them. So they don't let them stay. Eventually, that's one good thing that we got, and we can say we, we got from, from the colonizers, that there's nothing wrong with having more than one child in the womb. Oh, wow. But it took some time. Another good thing that we have before or before they came was that stealing, stealing was not as rampant. Cheating was not as rampant because it, it's, not even, it's not really the colonizer that did this. It's the people that brought religion. People that brought religion to us told us that if you have been a bad person all your life and you change from being bad to being good a few days before you die, you are going to go to heaven. That was, the, that was what they were teaching us when they brought the religion, their own religion to us. Whereas our own religion tells you that you, can do, you cannot do anything that is, that is bad to, any, to another person. That is a God that we call thunder, God of thunder. You know, the thunder that, that strikes when it's raining, that's a very strong God. And people believed in him. Is that Shango? Eh? Is that Shango? Shango, yes. That's Shango in Yoruba, yes. They call it different names in other places. But it's called Shango. Shango is, is a God that will find somebody out through, through the thunder that he brings. If somebody has done something wrong, when, when the rain starts to gather, when rain start to gather, they will confess what they have done and ask for forgiveness. But if not, the rain comes with thunder and the thunder will strike, will strike them out, put them outside in the front of the house, and then the people, everybody will know that they have done something bad. Whether it is right or not, we don't know. Whether it's correct or not correct, but it, people, before the breath brought Christianity, they were more faithful to themselves and to others than when they brought Christianity. The reason is that Christianity teaches that if you have been bad, if you have a few days to live and you change and you say, God, save me, they say you'll be saved. The only thing is that people don't know when they're going to die. That, that's the only saving grace, that we still keep people from doing bad things. But when, when before the Nibo came, everybody was nice to each other, although there were people that would do bad things and these gods would take care of them, like Spanish and go. So the people will not do bad things. But now that we have Christianity, we have Muslim, we have a, a, other traditional religions or other religions that are not the ones that are so, so strong that will fetch you out if you do something wrong. I mean, the piece that like is just really poignant that I've never thought about until you just described is this thing you said is like people are much more faithful to themselves. Yes into their community before yes. Christianity because then Christianity becomes about this service to this God. God right? That is somewhere that we don't know where That's it is. That's exactly right. Versus like the, around the clarity around like it's the people who you are with and who, you know, the, so that piece is just really, really, really fascinating. Daddy, one of the questions that Narissa asked you earlier that I want you to go back to is what changes, like given colonization, 
And I think you already kind of answered this around like the changes that you noticed in terms of like, for example, like crime, in some ways crime going up, right? Are there other like, when you, if you think about that question um, really thoughtfully around like, are there any other things that like were remark- remarkable changes? This is what I was asking earlier though. If the colonizers had already been there before daddy, daddy was born, I wonder- they were, they were there before I was born. That's right. So it's harder for him to notice. He doesn't have a, a, a context of saying, before the let's ask this daddy daddy did your did your did your father or your your family when they passed down history to you did they tell you about ways that um the village our people essentially became different because of as a result like what were the changes that happened because of colonization all right as i said earlier we, we live in communities villages or big towns the towns are not so big. So the, the villages are managed by, we call them KBAC or the Oba or chief. Yep. Chief is not, a, it's, it's not our language. It's the Onyibo the people brought chief to us. So we call them Oba or KBAC. Oba is the head of a particular unit. The whole could be, let's say, you have, let's say Virginia. The, there are different towns within Virginia. So like a local government area. The Oba is in charge. It, it does all the things that uh, the government will do. We didn't have a government that is a general government or state government in those days. We had the government was the KBSC. Not that the KBSC were, were very, very good, but they, they also have things that can keep them in check. But all they do is make sure that there's peace in the town. But when we got colonized, the powers of those KBSC were reduced and they cannot make regulations as they were doing before. So they have to wait for somebody from somewhere else to regulate what they are going to do. And sometimes when they're doing things that they don't like, that the Onyibo people don't like, they, they will ex, they exile them. They send them out of their town and they might go there, they might die somewhere where they, where they have sent them. But because they have, they, have, they have become colonized, and therefore, they will have the power that was with them before was no more there. Now, after we got independent, they start to put these things back. But it's not as it used to be. They, they, they still have the Obas in their towns and villages. We have uh, chiefs that will be in charge of a particular area of a town. And we have head of units. We call them Elerebi or Oloriebi head of a family group. And the, the towns, from time, from time to time, this Oloria B will go and meet so that they can iron things out. We didn't have prison before the white man came. So nobody goes to prison. The, the gods, oh. the gods were the ones that were giving judgment. Especially when you do something wrong, you will know that you have done something wrong. And as I said, if, 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 the, if the rain starts to gather, the god of thunder is the one that brings rain, and, and we call him Sango. So if if it starts if it starts to rain and you have done something bad to somebody, you go and confess right away, ask for forgiveness from that person. If that person forgives you, you will not get the punishment from the, the thunder or the the Sango because you have confessed what you did. That's part of that. That's something that we didn't oppose when they talk about confession. Uh, when you have done something wrong, but the only part that we we we, we 
but we, we do not like in the Christian thing is the fact that they tell you you can do as you can be as bad as you are. But if you if you know you are getting sick and you are likely to die, you start to confess what you have done. But it is different from when we used to worship our own gods that we know. It though it's a good God, but it does not condone bad things. It will punish the individual at the time that the thing that he has done. So in sense that like with Yoruba religion, it was like um, the expectation was around real time, real time repair. Whereas with Christianity, it's like there's a piece around there was part of the like uh, people's bristle was that um, there was more of an acceptance of like negative behavior that just kind of got absolved because, you know, Christ. Uh, yeah. Christ. yeah. And, the, and the fact that that the fact that the fact that Christ is not coming right away, right, but, right. but you still don't know when he is coming. That's right. Uh-huh. They, that, that's, that's part of the thing they used to hold us. But some people, as far as going on in Nigeria now, is unbelievable because people are stealing money. People are killing people. Even though we are mostly Christians and Muslims, we believe in a God that forgives. But because of the way they were, they, these gods were transferred to us, were taught to us, it was if you have been doing something bad before, if you change shortly before Christ comes okay. or the or the Al comes, then you will be okay. The, the other thing, though, Daddy, though, is, and, and I don't know if Nurse, if you're also noticing this, it also robs, one of the things that I'm really respecting that I didn't, I didn't realize is that in the Yoruba religion, it really required this repair with, with the person you had, like, harmed. You had to go confess to the person that you had sinned. Yes, yes. What you're saying is, Shango would, like, not, there would be no consequences from the God if you repaired it with the person. Whereas, <laughs> in some ways... Christian religion didn't require, like, you repair with God, but it takes out the person that you actually harm. Out of there, like, there's no requirement, right? So maybe, like, you know, I think part of, like, most Christians would interpret that, like, there's an encouragement, but there's no requirement that you have to do that repair with the person who has been harmed. It's about requesting forgiveness from this being. Do you see what I'm saying? So I never, I never realized that that is a rob the ways in which we were building relationships and maintaining relationship with one another. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what I was asking for. So I wasn't asking for like the, uh, you know, what he witnessed, uh, meaning what you witnessed the impact on the individual and, and how they conceived of themselves it, with respect. So if, if the, if the yam was saved, Oh, that's for the white man. So what did that do to the individual who had to consider like, Oh, well, they're better than, so they get more as well as, you know, just being, I can't go, I can't speak my language in school. My language is vernacular. Right. And so how did that impact how people experience themselves and community? Because this is a good point that you're making too, because this is, this is impacting community. It is, it is something that we have because the, the, Language in Nigeria today is English. You, 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 can't, you can't use your language in government. You have to use English. You have to write things that you want done in English. That's part of the effect of colonization. Plus, they put different groups of people together. So the only way they can communicate among themselves is to use this foreign language that they have brought to us. But it, we, when you are in school, they're teaching you to speak English. And you can, if, if you speak your language in school, they give you punishment. 
And that's what has happened to us today. Our children that are here, people that come here and have children from Nigeria, they, they, they teach their children how to speak English instead of speaking their own dialect or their own language. No, because, because nobody, they don't encourage us to speak that language. There was a governor we had about 20 years ago. He tried to change some of those things that instead of using English in school, that we should start to use Yoruba. And then in offices, government offices, you will speak Yoruba because you are in the Yoruba area. And if you are in Igbo place, you speak your language there. But eventually that one died too. Hmm. That one died, but nobody, nobody supported it. So you hardly see young children today holding on to the language of their forefathers. No, they rather speak English. Now, if it's I'm a, speaking my language, you know, you probably only maybe booking would be the only one that will understand what my, my the speech means. But that's part of what they did to us. That's such a major from us. They took our language from us. And then when we have things that are good on our farms, we say, oh, this is not our own. This is the Onyibo one. This is the English one. That's why it is it's so good. We have, they, have, they have made us believe that we couldn't do anything that is good. If it's good, it's from somewhere else. All of that is so, is so rich. I, I'm reading um, Of Water and the Spirit by Maladoma Patrice Somme, and he was speaking about language. And, well, he's, he's Burkina Faso born, and want, when he came to the States, he wanted to write this book. And he said it was so hard because... He's like the English light language is like a fast food language, right? So, you know, like fast food is not nutritious. It'll make you, it'll give you, it might taste good. It might fill you up, but you're, yeah. you know, it's not the same. It doesn't have the nuances and the richness of other languages, African languages. And so hearing what you're saying and thinking in the context of Somme, it's just, you know, separation from yourself because language is not just, oh, what we speak. There's so much inherent in language that is related to identity, sense of self, and, and the ability to communicate. You know, even in even here, like when people are speaking other languages, like when you when you really really want to communicate like even emotions and deeper level things, people really revert to that language as opposed to English language because because it's it's lacking. That's but, true. But, but the thing that like is just like, and I'm sitting here listening to this because that when I was, and you know, I think this this rule I think is still existing in schools now because I remember being punished um, as a kid in Nigeria for speaking Yoruba in school, and I remember my mom being adamant about like you don't speak English in it's and you only speak English at at school and not your you know so. But the piece that's really interesting right now is, you know, I talk about my Yoruba is um, the Yoruba of a 12 year old. Right. But I also don't um, have, I remember when, I remember being, when I, when Jaye was born, being, wanting to be intentional about speaking Yoruba to Jaye and, but, but realizing that I don't think emotionally in Yoruba. And so like my Yoruba is like, I can only like, my Yoruba is functional. I have functional Yoruba. And so this is the sort of the different things that start to happen when you talk about the separation from oneself, that then you start to make like trades, right? To the point that like, to daddy's point, like of all of our, like all the grandkids, none of them, like they might, the, the lucky ones might be able to understand some Yoruba, but mm-hmm. none of them can actually speak. So it's like this, this systematic like way that like by like our, like 
our next generation of like our in our family, our kid, the kids here, at least the ones in, in, in the states, will actually not be able to speak Yoruba. No, oh, yeah, they won't. Yoruba. And, and, and that's that's the inheritance from slavery. See, the colonization is the same thing as slavery. They came to they came to colonize us. They didn't take us out of the country, but they took us out of ourselves. They took us out of ourselves because we couldn't have, we couldn't be ourselves anymore. We can't speak our language. And our children will not speak our language because they have been taught to speak only English when they are in school. And that's what I was saying. When when one governor was, he said they should be taking Yoruba in in the school and they be teaching them Yoruba. But that that person died, and it's, that that idea is gone. And our, I don't think our people our people would not because of the like colonization of the mind. Our people would not endorse and agree with that. That is true. I was going to say, I was going to name that too, right? So when you were speaking, and this is not at all to characterize your mother in any way, but like when you were saying like how even your mother enforced, like, no, you you don't speak English or whatever. Thinking of Franz Fanon, who spoke black psychiatrist, who spoke about auto oppression, right? And defined it as, defines it as when the oppressor without becomes the oppressor within, right? So no longer do we need British rule and it to replicate the oppression, racialization, and then this racial hierarchy, even in a place where blackness dominates it, we, we, it now the psych, you know what I mean? Then it continues to replicate and replicate. And, and the only way back is, is with an intentional, like, like you all were saying how the next generation won't be able to speak it. Right. So the only way back is with intentionality and making sure like that we have these schools, like, and, and it's, it's to their praise, but like a, a lot of, when I used to teach at Queens College, there was, it was a very Asian community. And to their praise, like they were Saturday school and evening school where they were learning the language, right? And, you know, Jewish traditions also have that where they're learning the language and the culture. And we definitely, we need to do that to, to be able to reclaim. That's part of our liberation. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Very good. Yeah. We're so out of time. <laughs> and I certainly know I have a, I have a session like a started in a, in a few minutes. So daddy, thank you so, so much for bringing just incredible amounts of wisdom for us, incredible amounts of history to us and for us. So thank you so much for your time and just for like your, your genius. We so appreciate you and appreciate all of your, all of your knowledge. Marissa, what do you want to No, just want to thank you also. I mean, for enriching, for, for taking us in a new direction as we consider like liberation, because we have to think back, like Sankofa, we have to think back in order to look forward to know what needs to be healed and different things like that. And you shared a perspective that we couldn't. So thank you so much. And it was an honor to meet you. Nice to meet you. You, are, you say you are in NYU? I, I adjunct there, but I'm no longer full-time there. Okay. I I did my PhD in NYU. Oh, get out. Wow. I finished in 1983. I graduated in May of, two, of 1984. Oh, Wow. I went through New York. There are three three sets of universities uh, in in New York. They call them the the, the New York systems. There is a private university of New York. There is a city university of New York. And there is state university of New York. And I went to three of them. Nice. <laughs> I taught at three of them. I taught at CUNY, SUNY, and um, NYU private. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you, Daddy. Thanks for listening. If you've loved what we've had to say, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Dr. Narissa, and you can find me on IG at Dr. Narissa Williams. And I'm Dr. 
Buki. You can find me on IG at the official Dr. Buki. You can also stay abreast of our latest offerings at our website, radicalremembering.com. <laughs>